one square mile of this saloon lies the greatest concentration of wealth in the world. Yes. But how was a bartender gonna get his hands on any of it? This is the big time. Are you ready for the big time young Mr. Flanagan? I think I can handle it. This isn't what I ordered! Get your act together! A white wine! All right! Now what was it that you ordered? A martini! What's in that? In many ways to fool a customer. You will learn them all. Yes, Obi-Wan. You get the women, you get the bucks. And you can see the color of their panties, and you know you've got talent. Stick with me, son, I'll make you a star. I want you guys working for me. This is a real opportunity. Jet set bartenders, eh? The Caribbean Jamaica man. Can I buy a drink? My rum specialties, perhaps? Bartender with the line for everything. The bartender. Now, he's about to be swept off his feet. Stay here forever. By the one thing he didn't expect. I don't tell me Brian Flanagan is in love. This lady's gonna do a number on you, mate. This is more than just a one-night stand. You made a move on her? I'm your friend, you dumbass! I don't have any friends! As of now, that is for sure! Your sexy little smile's not gonna work this time. What the hell is this? That's for you. $10,000. Is that all your daughter's worth? You think I'm letting some bartender walk into my family? I love you. I want to marry you. Throw this bum out of here! You're so hung up on money. You see this? Jordan! This is how hung up on money I am. And as for the way I feel about you, I wish you never know. And welcome to Heroes Asylum Movies, or Midnight Movies, but we call it Ham. It's Heroes Asylum Movies. I am Kane, the creator, the host, well, one of the hosts, actually the host tonight. Uh, I'm doing it solo tonight. Uh, we are in April, and April is our 80s month, and I thought, what a good way to start it off, because uh, as you guys may or may not know, um, when this does drop, my co-host, my buddy, uh, my best friend, it's his birthday tonight. That is Captain Mike. He steers the ship of the Heroes of Silent Podcast. He is out and about having himself a good time. Maybe he'll join in tonight. Maybe he won't. But um, so in his honor, I thought tonight, why not do an 80s movie that ties in to sort of the lifestyle that a lot of us have had, you know, in our late 20s, sometimes early 30s, in the 80s, because we had to push, we had to struggle. Ow! That's a little Killing Joke lyric from Killing Joke, 80s. So we're going to do 1988's Cocktail, starring Tom Cruise. A um, couple facts and figures about this movie that I got going along the way. But you don't want to hear me yap. You want to hear me yap while we do the movie. So I got the movie queued up right about now at 001, because I'm cool like that. And um, so guys, I'm going to give you guys a little countdown. And if you want to join in, then join in. So in three, excuse me, two... One and play. 
Touchstone Pictures. Man, what have they done lately? I haven't heard anything from Touchstone Pictures. Now, if you guys didn't know, this movie is based on a book, a famous book that I have up here somewhere, but I can't, I cannot find, actually, here it is. It's uh, the book and the film were inspired by a life of a New York bartender. Uh, I don't believe it was called Cocktail, I believe it was called something else, but yeah, so. And already off the bat, we have totally 80s here. We got a young Elizabeth Shue, Brian Brown. Actually, the role of Brian Brown, interestingly enough, he actually plays the older bartender in this movie, was actually going to, was offered to Robin Williams, which I thought would have been interesting if he had picked up that role. Sorry, guys. There we go. Now, this is a young, 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 young Tom Cruise. This is 88, a couple years after Risky Business. So he is at the... I won't say he's at the zenith of his career because the guy's almost 60 years old and is still kicking ass with his Mission Impossible films. But I would say he's like... I guess you could say Cruisessance, probably right now, because he's had this. Um, I think Top Gun is around here somewhere. I'm not sure. I don't have the date. You know what? Guys, let me look at the date. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to check the date. I'm, I'm going to periodically check dates and stuff. Since I don't have Captain Mike here to help me out, you have to just bear with me as I do this. Greyhound. I've been a couple Greyhounds in my lifetime. So let's check out Tom Cruise for a second, shall we? You know, if you look at Tom Cruise's IMDb, Jesus Lord. Okay. Um. Okay. So Tom did Cocktail in '88. The year before that, he did The Color of Money, one of my favorites. Top Gun was '86. Legend '85. All the Right Moves, 1983. Risky Business was in 83, so he's done Risky Business, All the Right Moves, good movie, by the way, Legend, Top Gun, Cocktail, Next, uh, uh, this same year he does Rain Man, a year later, one of his, his most underrated films, which is um, Born on the Fourth of July, I think he received his only Oscar nomination in that film, Days of Thunder, and so on and so forth, so he had a good run in this, uh, let's just say five year period, so he's rolling at this point. Dog walkers in New York. That's a common thing, by the way, guys. Back then, um, uh, my grandmother, she used to live in Flatbush, Brooklyn. And when I used to go visit her with my mom and dad and my brothers, actually my brother, actually my older brother wasn't around. He's too busy being a jerk. You're a jerk, Al, just to let you know, man. <laughs> but um, that was a big thing was dog walkers in New York City. And they would pay you handsomely from what I was told from my grandmother. A dog walker a week could make anywhere, I mean, just based on how many dogs could make, like, maybe, like, starting off the lowest point would be, like, 500 
And the high point would be like 1800 a week just to walk dogs. That's it. Because you got to figure, you know, you're walking dogs in New York City. You have that, you know, small incantation space. So to get them out there, do their little duties, pick it up and all that stuff. Now, Brian Flanagan has just left the military. And I believe this is the family bar, if I'm not mistaken. You know, um, if you talk to any of my um, my cohorts and my friends. Oh, look at that Islanders. There we go. There's a big hockey guy over there. You know, that's the thing. That's, a, that's, that's one of the magical things about being in a tavern or, or a bar or something like that. And, you know... Um, it's just like, yeah, you're, you're sitting around, you're drinking some beers, having some shots, getting loosey-goosey. And, you know, sometimes depending on where you go, you can either have a good time or a bad time. You know, alcohol, you know, affects people differently sometimes. But I choose all the times that I've had at my local place. And I, I've mentioned the Winchester many times. And the Winchester here, you know, I nicknamed it that. But happily, it's, it's a place called Cheers Altamont, which I've been going to for nearly about, about I would say about 18 20 years and to me I've met a lot of my like people have nightmare stories about bars like oh I met my ex-girlfriend ex-wife there was terrible I mean and I've had my share also <clears throat> excuse me but I choose to, to look at the positives that came out of it a lot of the great people that I have met and a lot of great people you know actually part of this podcast literally who I've met at the Winchester along the way and they've been part of the journey that literally began at that place. I always look at a bar or a tavern as almost like a nexus point where people go to to come moderate, to have a little bit, you know, you know, people, you know, they unleash the stress of the week and sometimes, you know, it depends where you go. Like, you know, sometimes people say, well, that's a bad thing to do. I don't think it's a bad thing to do. I think if you do it in overabundance, it can be, but I, if you if you go for the for right reasons, just to like, you know, blow off steam, you know, just get together gatherings and just be social. I think it's a great place to, to do things, especially. Just my opinion, of course. And if you guys want to stay home like I am right now on Saturday night, you know, I'm not I'm not here by choice, guys. Like my 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 morning job that I do during the weekday really just kind of kicked my ass. And I just I just didn't have the strength to go out, but I did have the strength to do this tonight with you guys. And thanks for joining me. As a kid who grew up in the city, that's kind of like the same look sometimes you'll have, you know. You grow up wanting more. And that's what you're led to believe. You grow up at a certain space in your life, and you're you're taught to believe, like, hey, you know, this. and, and this is Brian O'Halloran's, basically, I mean, story. Like, hey, he went to the military. He's thinking, what's the best thing? I just left the military. I got out. Time to get a corporate job. I'm going to put my suit and tie on and go. And sometimes... Not sometimes like the best things that happen in life are always by accident. See, and then the, those are basically a lot of the job interviews that my 
my older brother used to go on when he got out of high school and he went to the military for a little while, he would basically go to interview for jobs that basically that he didn't have any skills for. And back then it was like, okay, you need to have this, you need to have this, you need to have this. And nowadays, that doesn't really work that way. I mean, no offense to anybody who goes to college, I went to college, I went to a tech school. And sometimes whatever you graduate with is not necessarily the career you're going to be in. And there's Brian Brown that is... In a strange way, I'm going to compare this to um, their relationship to um, the podcast that I do with uh, with Mike on Sundays. It's very Obi-Wan, Luke Skywalker-esque. This is a guy who's like, you know, he's been around the game for a long time. And this is the young whippersnapper, basically. You know, he's got the drive and everything, but, you know, and... They got that mentor-mentee relationship. And, of course, bartenders know it all. You know what I didn't know is the flare bartending is a real thing. It's something that's that's trained by trained professionals, but it's impressive to watch if a person knows what they're doing. And a lot of people that I have known over the years, they know. I, I know a couple people, actually, who know um, what they're doing. My friend, um, Steve-O, he lives in, um, I think he lives in, where does he live now? I think he's in the, in the coast somewhere. But um, he used to do a couple things of flare bartending as well. Here's the big thing that you guys probably didn't know. Brian Flanagan was almost twice as old in the book. In the book, he's supposed to be older. He's supposed to be a 38-year-old guy in the field. In the movie, you know, with Tom Cruise, they, they aged him down, so he's a younger dude. Of course, you know, you want to sell movie tickets, and you got Tom Cruise out there. Of course, you're going to do it. But in the book, he's, he's basically, he's done, he's over the hill. So, But like I said, they had to make some adaptations from the book. No, look at that. That's a Friday night at the Winchester right there. Oh, my. I, you know, this is one of those movies that I really wish that I could have a lot of compatriots from the Winchester here. This is a fish out of water. This is the whole thing. And I've seen this a lot of times, too. If you let the stress get to you, it will get to you. See, if you allow it, they will just... The big thing that you're always going to learn, especially in hospitality and the customer service industry, is you have to control the situation. Don't allow the situation to control you. There's... See, the work days are longer, you're sweating. And that's and that's like when the job's that's literally the first day in any job.
And that, that's something that I've actually, you know, I've known, like I said, I've been, when I've hung out at the Winchester many times, you learn like what bar etiquette is because it's such a thing as bar etiquette. Like sometimes when the waitresses make a certain amount of money, they tip the barbacks or the bartender. That's that's a, if if Mike was here, he would say that it's usually the reverse. It's usually the bartenders who tip out the waitresses. But in this instance, he of course, he didn't have a good night. So it's a role reversal. Like, hey, she made more money, so he's going to tip him out. Now, as any guy knows, like any person who, was, who went to college and had a full-time job at the same time, you know, if you're working at night, especially like he was, and going to school in the morning, it's pretty rough. Like, I, I, I wasn't a bartender. I wasn't in the hospitality industry. I was more in the retail industry. So my, my schedule was pretty set. I would work in the morning, and then I would go to school at night, and then, you know, vice versa. I would, I would do basically... And I was very lucky because I had been in my job for a while. I was doing basically like a 9.30 to almost 5 every day. I would leave, change, go straight to school, be there till like 11.30 at night, come back, study till like 2, 2.30 in the morning, wake up about 8, and then go back to work. So that's that's usually the routine. And I had that routine for almost two years. Now, here's the big thing that, that, you, that you notice, again... I have not, I was not in, I, I work in the hospitality industry right now as far as hotels goes, but like, as far as like, you know, hospitality, hospitality, being from like being a bartender as they are, you, the old adage is don't let them see you sweat, right? Even if you don't know what you're doing, like an old friend of mine would always say like, you know, fake it till you make it. And that's the thing, you have to have the confidence to move on. Even if you don't know what you're doing. Fake it till you make it. That's for you, Meyer, wherever you are. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. I, I, Brian Brown, one of the better actors around. I mean, the acting list in this movie is incredible. You have Brian Brown, you have Elizabeth Shue. You have um, Kelly Lynch is in there too. Gina Gina Gershaw, a young Gina Gershaw, is in this movie. A couple others, but um, pretty much that's Alan Wasserman. But the whole juxtaposition of this movie right here is basically the relationship between hit between uh, I forgot his character's name. I'm sorry, guys. Is Doug and Brian. See, Doug is looking for like his his last. He's basically on the. He's in. He's at the ending of his career. The, the last end of days. Normally, like, hey, Doug is still around. This young guy's coming up.
Oh, Tom. Look how young he looks. And the strange thing about Tom Cruise right now, he is 56 years old. In 40 years, this guy's going to be 60 years old. Here's the thing you guys didn't know. Disney is basically the movie that produced this film. And according to the Hollywood... Well, let me see if I have it here. According to the, uh, to the Chicago Tribune, they were not sold in early meetings with Tom Cruise. And I have it here verbatim. Uh, basically, uh, I think it's Michael Gould. Told the Chicago Tribune that early meetings with Disney heads, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg, said that this is, may not be a good vehicle for Tom Cruise. I just said he'll never do this again. Don't waste your time. He can't play the part. And, of course, on the opposite end, they said he's perfect. And uh, love it or hate it, you know, he, and he did a good job. Now, one of the guys they were not sold on was Brian Brown. Now, Brian Brown, apparently his audition, like, whereas Tom was basically, hey, he can't do it. I mean, Brian Brown, when he came in and he flew from Australia, they were like, oh, no, his, apparently his audition was terrible. That looks like Matt Smith over there. A little Doctor Who reference. Everybody drink. Oh, man. Little Robert Palmer. You can never go wrong with him. Rest in peace, Robert. You're addicted to love. They don't have bars like that anymore like this, where you could basically send and... and... Look at that. No, well, you're done, Tom. She's giving you the look. You're pretty much finished. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's got to hurt, Tom. Ugh. Now, John Brandy... He was a TGI Friday's bartender. He was hired to train Cruz and Brown. And he had served. He basically, he served as a woman who worked for Disney as a lookout bartender for cocktail. Basically, she was on set while they were doing all those flare tricks and all that stuff. But she was there to be the, for the accuracy point of being a bartender. Because, you know, it, it like you, you got to make it real. You can't make it like ridiculous. Like, hey, float it. Th let me just throw it in the sky. It comes back down. Perfect as a drink. No. You got you got to have some uh, and being friends with bartenders as I've had for the longest time. You know there there's a method to it. You can't just do it and think you can do it. Not anybody can go up there and just. I mean any idiot can go up there and pour drinks. But a bartender is gonna pour the right amount of drinks. Like any idiot can pour like you know a fifth of whiskey and like a splash of coke and a splash of Jaeger. Actually, that's a that's a black tooth grin. 
I miss you, dime bag. But that, um, sorry, I don't know what I was thinking of. But yeah, basically, there's a method to being a bartender. You either can overpour or underpour. There's a methodology to it. So just, you know. Who is this guy? Man, okay. Now, this guy here, hold on. Who is this man? This teacher here, he looks familiar. He was in the Jeffersons, I think. I think he was the... Was he the neighbor? Hold on. I'm trying to do both. Okay, there he is. Yes, that's that's Paul Benedict. Yes, Paul Benedict. He was in the Jeffersons. He was the... He was Mr. Bentley. That's right. He was like the nosy neighbor. That's right. I, I knew I recognized him from somewhere. That is Mr. Bentley. Oh, damn. Jefferson, come over here. Jefferson, you mind if I borrow some sugar? Okay, I've been to college, and professors are not like that. They will not give you an F like that right away. That's, I call BS. Now, if you notice, as the movie keeps going along, as far as like his attire goes, and like the beginning when he was a bar when he was starting to work at this bartending job, his tire was a little bit tighter, but little by little that tie gets a little bit more loose and more loose, and eventually he's gonna lose that shirt and tie. It's almost like the growth of the character, and these two are just and basically the movie revolves around these two. Like one guy is on his way, he's looking for his one last hurrah, and this guy's on his way up. And you'll see some things that develop later on within this film. Breaking in and talking, huh? Who doesn't remember anything like that, man? Excuse me. Some of the best ideas happen in the world after a night out of drinking. Actually, this is how, well, I don't want to say it was created in a night of drinking, but it was an idea that was formalized over two events that happened in our life that kind of created the Here's Asylum podcast and created the Here's Asylum movies and you know, Lobos and Chair Shots. Episode seven, episode eight, uh, seven is out right now. Pretty good. Check it out. Ha, 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 ha.
Ach. There we go. Smart guy. Giants fan right there. See, he's looking for one last hurrah. Basically, one last thing like, hey, man, I'm done doing this game. I've been doing it for a while. Almost like a, a get-rich kind of scheme. So he's trying to think of a way, and he sees in him, like, maybe this guy can help me get there. Somebody told me one time, an old friend of mine, don't manipulate people, manipulate the, manipulate the situation. Apartments like that in New York City, you know how much they run? And those are basically, that's basically one bedroom, barely half a bath. Like probably back then in New York City, maybe, maybe 900 bucks. Nowadays, probably 2,000. Now, from what I've been told, what he's doing right there, that is tomato juice with a egg. And apparently that's supposed to cure the hangover like right away. I, I, like I said, I wish I had Mike on here. He would know better than I would. So you got to be part entertainer, part psychologist, part storyteller as a bartender. Like my my uh, my mother and my father, they would always tell me like, "How come you never became a bartender?" And it wasn't because I I never thought about it. It's just like you know, it's just like me. I want to go to I want to go to a tavern or a bar or a place, and I just want to like relax and unwind. I don't want to sit there and deal with the stress that these guys have. And if you guys don't think they deal with stress, they deal with tons of stress. The barbacks, the bartenders, the waitresses. Oh, the cell block. This is a fictional bar, but look at that. Now, with everything that's going on right now, you'd never see a bar like this. But This is more like, almost like a yuppie bar. <laughs> a yuppie poet? <laughs> see we don't like um there again there used to be a place down here where i live in orlando florida um and it was i don't think it was will's pub i think it was another pub and basically they would have these power poetries they would come in and they would 
I mean, not to not the to the crowd of this gathering like this, but they would come in and do these. And I kind of miss things like that. There's an individuality, excuse me, that does theme nights like that. Like you have your karaoke nights, you have your DJ nights, you have your trivia nights, your bingo nights, or whatever. I mean, because you want to keep people entertained, you want to keep them coming back in. Because because to be honest, like in you know, I'm again no disrespect to the hospitality crowd. Because I love them, trust me, they're literally like my family. But you got to keep them. You got to keep them interested. It's almost like another one of my podcasts, Lobos and Church House. Check out episode seven. You want to keep the crowd interested. If you don't keep them interested, guess what? Because they can drink at home. Movies, same thing. They can watch movies at home. The job of a bar or any other establishment outside that basically is selling. You know, you know, hanging out, being social, or basically, it's selling things that you can have in your house. How can they get you out of that house? <laughs> Death spasm. I wonder if Jim Bean got any residuals because they're actually showing the label in this movie, the Jim Bean logo. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was big back then. I don't have my fact checker here. You normally have Mike doing this stuff, but like I said, we're rolling so long. There is a young Gina Gershon. A <laughs> great line. Great line. Great line. You know, I think one of the things that I've talked about on my other podcasts, you know, is just individualism as far as like a place goes or a person goes. Like, you don't want a place you go to to be the same place that you've gone to the place before. You know, back in my, um, you know, I'm going to sound like an old man for a minute. Back in my older days, you know, when I had my friends that I would hang out with and we would go bar hopping. The big thing about bar hopping was not even about the drinking because you go there, you're going to, you're basically going to drink almost the same thing, a beer, a shot, whatever. But what would make bar hopping fun is like, you know, the environment. Where am I going to next? What's what crazy thing is happening here? Oh, look it. You know, this guy's doing some acoustic song. Oh, wow. Sounds great. Oh, it's karaoke in this place over here. Oh, man, that's freaking fantastic. Oh, over here, they're doing power poetry. Oh, wow. You know, it's like you, you just it's it's almost like your journey. You go you're going on a journey to these different worlds. Oh, there you go. Oh, to be young. (sighs) 
What has Gina Gershon been doing? That's a name I haven't heard from in a long time. Let's ch let's check out what Gina's been doing. All right, Gina Gershon. All right, she's doing a lot of the mom roles right now. Cage Fighter, New Amsterdam, the Mimic, Richard Harris. Uh, she was in Riverdale. Okay. I don't know. There's something. Ab and I don't want to sound sexist or anything like that. But. As far as like sexiness of a woman, there's something about a woman when she's opening the door or letting you in just in a towel or like, I don't know what it is. It's just something about it. Now, here's the thing that we've all been and I think, you know, hey, look at I'm not going to discriminate guys and girls have been we've had the same moment. Like, you meet somebody the first night, right? You sleep with them. It's great. The next day, you're dating. You're hanging out. You're doing all these things. You're vibing. You're going forward. Like, wow, this is incredible. But it's almost like, you know, a burnt candle. Eventually, that candle's going to burn out. And there's no sustenance to it. What's the old line from uh, the Joker? If you're good at something, never do it for free, guys. That was a big thing in New York City as well. My brother, he, um, when we were living in Union City, my older brother, my older brother, I'll mention his name. He doesn't listen to this podcast, but my older brother, Alvin, um, he was going out with a girl that lived in Brooklyn. And her name was Emily. She was a really nice girl, too. Really cool chick. And I'll never forget, um, my family and I, we were living in Union City at the time. So we, it was basically my mother, my father, my brother Chris, me, and my brother Alvin. And we were living in a one-bedroom apartment building. Yes. A one-bedroom apartment. Now, the one bedroom that we had basically had to fit a bunk bed for me and my brother, another bed, which would go to my mother, and um, a pull-out bed. My dad would sleep in that pull-out bed when we would go to school because he would work at nights. Okay, anyway, I'm deterring for the story. The big thing is one day I woke up and it was a Saturday morning. And normally on the pullout bed, my dad is sleeping because my dad gets home late. And I pulled over, I woke up, and I see, I see, 
I see this other woman. I was like, that's not my mom. Who is that? And it was my brother's girlfriend. It was the strangest thing. She's like, hey, I'm Emily. I'm, I'm your brother's uh, girlfriend. I'm like, who? Oh, hi. I'm, 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 you know, I'm Kane, Jeff, whatever. It was just like a surreal sight. You know, again, I wish, you know, Mike, um, Mike will be on the one to speak of this. I wonder why bars nowadays don't have a personality. See, this is right here. You're like, and this is youth right there. Mind games. Mm-hmm. Oof. Ooh. Ooh, boy. See, ooh man, that's 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 a dirty play right there. See, and that's oof. See, and the thing about it is, he he won right there. He basically he 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 played buying games that he won. That's youth right there, and I hate to say that, you know, because I was a youthful guy myself. And you get a hothead and you get a temper, and he did that. So in a weird way, in a weird and a strange kind of way, and I hate to say it, he was right. I mean, it's a weird way of doing it, but... Okay, what you probably didn't know, Kokomo was actually written. If you guys have never seen it, Kokomo was written for this for this actual movie by the Beach Boys, but no Brian Wilson. The song was recorded. The group had made it back in the spotlight with Kokomo, penned by John Phillips of the Mambas and Papas, Scott McKenzie, who wrote it, uh, Terry Melcher, Doris Day's son, Mike Phillips, the Phillips wrote this verses. But there was no Brian Wilson in this song, which is interesting. You know, if you guys are big Beach Boy fans, you like, you know, all oh, I wish I could like all their songs. But the, the Beach Boys are they had some dark, dark albums. Like I said, I wish Mike was here to attest to that. He would actually know about that. But Now we're flashing forward here. He's, I think, he's in Jamaica. You know, it's funny. You look at these people, these actresses and actors now, and 
these two in particular, Elizabeth Shue and Tom Cruise. If you look at them now, um, the last thing I saw Elizabeth Shue do, besides the boys, she did Cobra Kai season three. Tom Cruise, I think, he, well, he's done one of the Mission Impossibles. You look at them now, they actually look a lot better, especially Elizabeth Shue. Well, the smile that could that could launch a thousand ships home. I always had a saying about a girl that if you meet it, well, to me, the biggest thing for a girl for me is a smile, you know, and I always said, if you have that smile, it could basically launch a thousand ships homeward, meaning that, you know, usually in the olden times, they have lighthouses that would light the ships home. And a smile could launch a thousand trips home safely. So I always say, like, a smile is a big thing for me. If you can smile, pretty smile, you're in. That's how it usually begins sometimes. I have met... I don't want to go in too deep in detail. We are after midnight, are we not? Depending on when this drops. But I have met... I think I've met my my share in, you know, local night establishments. And I would, I'll, I'll put it like this. The good outweighs the bad. And I'll leave it all to your... Imagination. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. Do 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 do. Actually, there's a fact here that I have. I'm going to pull it up real quick. Uh, uh, Roger Donaldson is sorry about Don't Worry, Be Happy, which is kind of strange. Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy hit number one thanks to its inclusion on the cocktail soundtrack. The director heard the song on the radio one day while driving to the set, heard it and thought it would be perfect for the film, and suddenly it was everywhere. And Roger Donaldson exp- basically apologized. I'm so sorry that that song is everywhere. And to me, why are you sorry, dude? <laughs> You made money off that song. Every time that song plays, you're making money off it. But it's a fun song, too. Now, here's the thing right here. There is the, uh, the old friend who basically... Who basically... I get, I'm, t- I'm trying to guess. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe a year, two years. Because a lot of stuff that happens between friends, you know, there's an old adage that says time heals old wounds. And it does. So time has passed. And Brian is back. In a weird way, he kind of did, did him a solid because Gina Gershon was probably not the right chick for him. And notice how he treats those of his shoe right now. See? 
I th- I'm th- I'm trying to think of a, of a bar that I saw an actual uh, display like that where they actually have the turnabout with the liquors standing like that that are it's almost like very Christmas tree esque where it's very circular and I could, I don't know I'm tr- I'm trying to think of a place downtown in Orlando here you know a lot of the, a lot of things that I'm bring up tonight guys of uh, local tavern establishments are the places that I have gone to here in Orlando. You know, when I was younger, I used to go to, let me think, it was called Club uh, Cairo. That's one. It was a danky bar, very dark, not well lit. But Sunday nights was the best time to play alternative music. Uh, independent bar, of course. Um, you know, it's still around, but um, unfortunately, what's up with, with the whole pandemic thing, it has not gone back to the way it used to be. Man, for a minute, she looked like Christy Brinkley. Man, she looks like Christy Brinkley. Now I have to find out who this is. Let's see who we got here. We have... Love a good one. We'll do that. Um... Is she Bonnie? No. Okay, that that I think that's Kelly Lynch. Yeah, that's Kelly Lynch. Ah, the dancing. Ooh, look at Tom. <laughs> That's a woman laying the law down. You are an original until you prove otherwise.
Ah, Elizabeth Shue. You know, it's funny. Like, there's, it, it, I think, and I think I can be backed up here. If you guys grew up watching '80s movies, there's always a montage just like this. Guy meets girl. Girl likes guy. They hang out for one day. They're drinking, do their thing, and then they go through this montage of just hanging out, and being with each other twenty four seven. That's like the brand new stage of like, oh, you're, it's, this is new, this is brand new, this is fun. See, this is what I, I mean, oh man. See, I, I, to me, in my opinion, I don't want to get mushy, but to me, love is about shit like this. I mean, yes, you can drink and you can have sex and that's all great stuff, but it's like the silly things you do. Like, hey, I want to make a portrait of myself. Hey, let's go to the pool and just do cannibals. Hey, you know, let's go play laser tag. I mean, well, actually, that'd probably be me. Well, actually, me. Hey, let's go to Universal Studios and ride the Hulk. Hey, let's go dress up like fucking Batman and Robin. Actually, no, that's a fantasy. Um, I'm a bit dragged. <laughs> What do they call it? It's like it's first you did the court, then it's the court. It's, I, I I don't know, court courtship and something else. It's all about sustenance, sustaining what you got. See, she's already into him. He's he is, but he's not. And I'm I'm gonna say it. I was a guy. It's a typical guy thing you do. You're always thinking there's something better out there, and sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's just right there, and you're gonna be stupid, and you're gonna regret it, and then you're gonna be an old man living in Key West, and you're rocking chair. Hey, you know what? I remember that one girl I met. Before I met your grandmother. God, that was an awful place. This film was released four years after the book after the book was published. And apparently it's a very quick turnaround according to the books that were filmed. The film won won two Razzies. See, I don't, I don't understand that. It, I never thought of this film, this film was a bad film as a Razzie. Hmm. Now, you want some gossip? Tom Cruise apparently fought with his wife. Yes, he was married to Mimi Rogers at the time. They fought all the time when the camera stopped rolling. See, guys, don't get married when you're young. Wait till your late 20s, early 30s. Experience life. Go out, see the world, then come back. In my case... Well, don't be me. Yeah. Do as I say, don't do as I do. Thank you. And of course, every 80s movie has to have that montage again of the waterfall making out session. Why do I sound like Bob Ross now? And it's a little treat right there. 
And look at Ezra making out. Look at the chart. Look at the rocks. The waterfalls. Oh, oh, hey, 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 hey. What's happening now? Who sings this? Run for the Actually, I'm going to look up this damn soundtrack after we get off of here. Uh oh. 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 Now you got some uh, fun times happening. Yeah, that's when. All right, get a beer. Hold on, guys. Happy Easter, guys. And of course, you got to have the sex scene on the beach with the fire in the background. Another montage that happens in 80s films all too often. Here's something interesting. The script went through f actually a couple different studios, and apparently it went through 40 drafts of a screenplay. It was originally with Universal. They put it in a turnaround. It wasn't making the character likable enough. Then Disney picked it up, went through the same process. They would fight at every turn. Brian Brown explained that when Cruz came on board, the movie had to change. The studio had to make changes to protect the star because it became a much slighter uh, Actually, excuse me. A much slighter movie because of it. Kelly Lynch, who played Kelly Conklin, was more forthright about her, how Gould's version of the story had changed. And it is saying, okay. Actually, it was a much darker film. Hmm. According to this, the re-edited version of Complete Lost Maker. Let me get the good. Let me get the good stuff here. Uh, it was written by the guy who wrote Fort Apache, The Bronx. It was much darker in a movie. But Disney took it. But you know what? I don't want to see a darker tone of this. I'm all about darker movies. I am. That's kind of like my. That's kind of like my jam. But I. I don't want to see a darker version of Cocktail. Do you want to see Christopher Nolan do Cocktail? Like it's three hours long. How long? Hey, the misery of being a bartender. I come home at five o'clock in the morning, and I sit there and I watch reruns of Leave It to Beaver, and I feel my misery. As I drink this coffee, because I have to be there. I don't want to see that. No, I don't want to see that. No. The workers and the hustlers. The hustlers who never work and the workers who never hustle. But he's not a hustler. But you know, it's it's truth to what he says, though, because a lot of people are like, look at him, look at look at where, look where basically, Tom Cruise's character is right now. He's basically in that same trajectory. He's just pouring drinks, and his buddy's basically is living off a rich heiress, which is the truth. I mean, it's a complication of size. Like, where are you gonna go? And he's trying to like, and he's convincing him to do his what he's doing right now, which is kind of, 
It's like, you know what? You have something real here, but you know what? It's okay. See? And unfortunately, that's the thing about guys, and I'm guilty of it right now. You know, not now. I won't say no. No. Say, well, man. Yes. Anyway, the biggest thing guys are guilty of right now, and if you guys are listening to this, and we can admit it to be true, we are always guilty of looking to what's on the other side, never to what's in front of us. We can have something great right in front of our face and be like, but wait, wait, what's behind door number two and door number three and door number four? Like, I want that too. Like, we're like children, and that's the truth. Like, can I have that? No, I want that. No, I want this. <laughs> that was cool. That was slick right there. Like I said, I wish um I wish Mike was here but he cause he could actually speak more to the experiences that he's been through. And there you go, you have a good woman right there. And he just basically waiting for you and you're just like, Okay, I wanna get out of here. And she's heartbroken. This is why guys are morons. There. In honor of cocktail, I'm having myself a couple of brewskis tonight. Uh, what do we have in here? No spang drinks for me tonight. Uh... A little bit of purple haze tonight. And I guess, you know, on the flip side where I can say guys, you know, are guilty of always looking to the other side. Women are always kind of guilty of falling head deep first. And then you wake up in the morning and you have that shame. And I think as a guy, when you see something like this, and I will not lie, and this is going to get put out there, I've been guilty of doing the same thing. You wake up in the morning, you look around like, oh, man, maybe this is not a good idea. And then you're going to run back and be like, hey, guess what? How you doing? And then she knows, and then you you messed up, and then, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's it. You, you know, you're fucked. That's it. By the way, I sleep with the fan on. 
Nothing wrong with that. And it's an actual, it's typical guy. You know, the book was actually written, the guy was a lot older. So he's like, I think the book was a lot stronger because the guy was a lot older and he had been through a lot more stuff. When you're a younger guy, you can, you know, I hate to say this, you can overcome those mistakes. When you're young, you can. If you have no attachments, you can overcome them. But when you're older, not so much. And then you find out that this chick is losing money, and he's like, uh, I was only with you for the dough, blah, 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 and, yep, hey, let's have a little fun, when the fun runs out. Now, if you guys didn't notice... You'll see something, you know, when you, when you get a glimpse of this movie, when you watch, when you rewatch it or watch it again, in almost every scene, you'll see that every bottle that's being handled during the bartending scenes is Bacardi rum. Thing about it is, 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 which is kind of funny, the teachings that Brian is actually giving. I keep calling him Brian Brown. That's his, that's his original name. But he's actually he's trying to teach him his ways. But as we get towards the end of the movie, things kind of, it's almost like, let's go back to Logos and Chair Shots. It's almost like a double switch that happens, and it will happen towards the end. You guys that ever grew up up north, I grew up in New Jersey and uh, Union City. And every single morning when I would get up, I would see the New York skyline, the Empire State Building, Twin Towers, and all that. It was literally like a painting when I would wake up every single morning. I mean, nothing against it. When you go up in Florida, it's just like your suburbs, you go up next to a palm tree, you know, people yelling and screaming and. This is regret right here. This is basically, and this happens. It's 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 a role reversal. The younger guy with the older chick. This chick has her shit together. She's got a business, and you hate to say it, but she feels younger with him around. And he's like, you know, he's trying to he's trying to settle in, but he's like, yeah, not really what I want. Like, they're never going to have kids. They're never going to have a family. She's like, you know, I just want to hear for fun. 
Treats him like a boy toy. Like he's nothing. Look at that smile, man. Wake up to that every single day. And he knows he fucked up and he's gonna try to go back in, but he won't even try. He's like, nope, I'm done. I'll give you another adage. Do you want to die young rich or you want to die old happy? Die old happy. I love that. It's it's like the, almost like the out of placement shit like that. Like she views him as basically an accessory and she and he's like, well, you know, she's got money. I'll be around. Maybe she can see I'm so, I have self worth, and she's like, "No, well, you know what? Now nah, you're just basically like another, like you're another purse to me. You're like another piece of fifties. You're like, you're like basically something in my apartment that I'm collecting." She's not serious. She doesn't really care. And young guys got hotheads too. See. Young guys are hotheads. Now, <laughs> young guys are hotheads, man. Ooh. Man, I didn't know artists could hit like that. Jeez, whoa. He planted him right in the freaking mouth. Oh! Man, I forgot they had a fight scene. Oh, my artist is right. I love how in the background Casablanca is in that.
and the realization of self-worth. That's the biggest thing that you have to realize when you move forward in life as a young guy or a young lady, you got to realize self-worth. And he never did. He, and until just now, he's like, wait a minute. I don't need this rich chick. I can do it on my own. I can find out all I want is somebody to be happy with, to grow with, and that's it. And in the end, if you find like families like, you know, my mother and my father, they've been married 40 years, I believe. Maybe more of you, 50. You know? And now you got to turn the one the girl back. And here's the thing. When you're doing this, you got to swallow a lot of your pride. The old jukebox. I like those. Oof. Yep, there you go. Strong woman ran. She's like, nope. Sweet, you gotta see. If it is the woman you want, you gotta swallow your pride and you gotta go through all this. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. That's um that's about right. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Even the, <laughs> even this that that right there is awesome because Tom knew he messed up, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to be mad about it. I, I fucked up. Man, those apartments in New York City, they're always so individualistic. Excuse me. Why do the artists always have the cool apartments, the big windows and the small dens? Well, I would cry too if I broke up with Elizabeth Shue. To beg for forgiveness, man. Oof. Hmm.
That's influence right there. Exactly. Don't go with the money because she has money, man. No, you don't, man. That's that. That's that's foolish pride, man. That is foolish pride, man. I sound like my dad now. That is foolish pride, son. You can't do. That. But actually, it is, man. I just, if I could talk to my younger self right now, I'd be like, "Don't do it, dude. Just be patient. Wait it out." No, she not, not not that easy. Nope. Oof. Apparently artists made a lot of money during that era. Just go, bro. Just just leave. Ouch. 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 That is a kick-ass apartment, though. What's the old saying? No means yes, please stay. She's... Ugh. <laughs> you know, again, back to the Winchester. There's always, always these characters over there that, I mean, over the years that I never knew, I just heard of through reputation or reputation. And um, I, I see, you know, pictures of them on the wall and stories about them. Like, yeah, they were these great guys, you know. You know specifically, they were talking about them during the morning shift, which I was never there for. But what are your stories about that? Like, man. These guys were the were the people that act were integral parts of this place that actually made it what it is and That's a hard pillow swallow right there. Do you want to be a man or run away? I mean Yeah, there's a lot of things to factor into that.
Damn, she gave that address away real quick. What the hell? What, what, what? You know, I always talk to my brother, my older brother Alvin, about like those industrial apartments. Because we had a friend who used to live in one of those apartments that was similar to that in New York City a long, long time ago when I was very young. He took me over there, and he had this cool pad. It was like a studio apartment, but it was so huge. It had his little bathroom out in the corner, and his big, the big window, like that was washing over his skyline. Like when you woke up in the morning, you could see chimney stacks of his factory. I mean, it was not good in the morning because you don't want to see a factory, but. When you so that like that whole that whole environment, like man, that's a cool apartment. I want to have that. Nowadays, you have these small little things and no environment. Like, eh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Doesn't even shake his hand. Whoo boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. This scene is tense. When the dad doesn't even shake your hand, you're dead. You got a grim and bear it. Those are you being, oh my God, like there's a lot of things going on right now in this scene. Like the fact that the dad is pissed, that she's pissed, he's trying to make it better. He can't make it better and he's making it worse to him. Like the minute he didn't shake his hand, he was like, oh, "That's what—that's when you know you're screwed." If the dad doesn't shake your hand, you're dead. And now he's gonna try to pay him off. $10,000, okay.
Oof. Oh, man. I'm just drawing. I forgot about this scene. Good Lord. That's an old trope, a movie trope, by the way. That you find out, like, hey, the chick was actually, she's poor, but wait a minute, she's actually rich at the end. Dramatic and out. Oh, outtake. Entrance. But he left. Sorry. Is that Bubba Smith? Look at that mullet. There's an old adage, again, I'll keep bringing up, man, the party cannot last forever. There comes a point where the party goes from there to, like, you're with somebody to, like, hey, the party's inside, then it's just you two. That is Bubba Smith. Holy shit. <laughs> yep. Damn. Wow. Now, here's the big thing that we have to realize right now. Through the whole film, he's been like, hey, this is what I've been aiming for my whole life. And then this scene comes up right here, which to me epitomizes the entire film. Health and friendship. Look how old those Polaroids are.
it's it's the old adage. It's like be careful what you wish for, right? Because when you get it, then what? What's the goal then? Now you have this. He has this elegant lifestyle, right? He has everything he wants. But the one thing he wants, Tom Cruise has. You can have all the money in the world. You can have yachts. You can have all these powerful things. And then you have this. And he still feels empty. That's the big thing. He still feels empty. See, it's a whole role reversal of the thing. Like at the beginning of the film we went through, he's basically, he's Obi-Wan. Like it basically, Tom is the Luke Skywalker. He's learning, he's training underneath him. He's wondering what's going on. But now as we head towards the end, you can see that Brian's basically, wait a minute. You know what? I have this. I, I, I won. I won the bet. But he's freaking miserable. And he's basically telling him, you know what, Tom? You're right. I want what you have. Because to me, that is worth more than money. Again, um, it would have been very interesting to see how Robin Williams would have played it. But Brian Brown, I mean, I can't, I can't see nobody else but Brian Brown playing this character. I mean, Robin Williams, I think, would have taken away from the role. Because Robin Williams is still at this point, which is 1988, he's Robin Williams. The relationship was never about, it was never love. It was all about, you know, sustenance. And as you'll see, at the end, he basically wants what Brian has. Even now, even even right now, he's like, I'm driving you home. Okay, he's cool, but you know what? I, you know. And he realizes, like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to play this game for the rest of my life. It's all about you having something that you can sustain, something that's gonna last. And look at that! That's his friend. That's his friend's wife right there. She's inviting him up to the room to do the deed. And he's like, "Well, you know what? I, I could do it, but I'm not." Is your headspace is? If 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 Mike was here, he can he could basically um, attest to this. Your headspace at 25, 30, 28 is different to when you're 35, 38, 38, 40 because you're like, at that age, you're trying to prove yourself. You're you're a cowboy. Like I can do it. I don't give a shit. Do it. But when you find that chick, and then you fuck her over, and then wait a minute, that was a chick I should have been with. Sometimes in this movie, because this is basically fairy tale, you don't get that second chance. You're screwed. But he's not going to do his friend like that. He's going, okay, you know what? He 
can make out, but he's not going to go all the way. Mm-mm. There's only so long you can hold on to that lifestyle. It's funny because she's basically dogging him. Dogging his best friend to him. No, he's not scared. It's a realization that there's something more in life than money. Everything, everything like if you, let's go back to the beginning of the movie, right? Where he basically he told her about Gina Gershaw, like Gina Gershaw, not this is this chick is not good for you. She's not, and she made out with the bar, and they fought, and that was it. They didn't see each other for like two years. They never said how long the time period was, and he goes back. And he basically says, look it, dude, this chick is not the right chick for you. And they fought. And look, this is where his life went. That's awful. And supposedly he had everything in life that he wanted. He had the money, he had the chick, but he had nothing. He was an empty, soulless carcass. And he basically said that. If you, if you go back to the scene in the yacht where they were discussing, he basically says, hey, Brian, you know what? Not, not in so many words, but he would say, hey, you know what? I wish I had your life. I wish I had somebody who gave a damn about me. Again, been there too. New York City, sometimes the bar, 5 o'clock in the morning and getting some breakfast at a dirty restaurant. By the way, those diners are awesome if you check them out. Again, Tom Cruise, good man, being a John fan this movie. Shout out because I think they won the Super Bowl, I think a year before. that see that that's that note right then again it's just like few words make the greatest impact on somebody's life and that right there says it all. And again, it goes back to a bed. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. What, like, subliminally, I chose this movie for a reason, but there's a lot of subtextures in this movie that, if you think about it, The whole life. Now, in that, that letter, I'm basically going to 
I'm going to summarize a little bit. Again, it's basically saying, you know what, Brian? You were right and I was wrong. And a guy's going to keep fighting. He's going to keep fighting. Like, even, even, look at that. Even, damn. First of all, I don't, I don't think Bar, I don't think, uh, what do they call these guys? They call them, um, hotel administrators, hotel, like, hey, you can't come in. There's Alfred. Like, why are they so antagonistic toward him, by the way? Mm-hmm. The truth. That there's a lot of people that I know in my life, in my past life, who have been like that. They've been too, hey, you know what? No. It's okay, bro. Hey, I love you, but nah, I don't need that. I don't want to talk about this. But sometimes when you talk to somebody at a bar and they're at that point, like, hey, man, you know, I don't want to talk about it. You don't push them, but you let them speak. You hear them out. Sometimes all they want is somebody to listen to. And Tom has basically been groveling for the last, what, 45 minutes? See, the only thing we need right now is Mr. Bentley to walk in. Hello, Tom. <laughs> By the way, if you guys didn't catch that, Mr. Bentley was basically his, one of his college teachers. That guy is not that strong, by the way. This old guy cannot stop anybody. I do not believe. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Damn. Okay, here we go. And it's funny because... Right now, she's basically turning her back on her family for him. Uh, did she have the kid by then? I don't recall. If I ever get married, that'll probably be where I'm going to get married in a freaking bar. Not a bad thing, though. You got to be a little bit insane to be a little bit sane. Hmm. <laughs> 
And again, guys, 1988, this is Tom Cruise, Elizabeth Chu. They're near their 60s now. And the ending is very poetic as well, basically saying, hey, you know what? I can keep my lifestyle. However, at the end of the night, Yep. Again, we don't have the one of the things that I was talking about earlier in the night is that I think, you know, taverns and bars nowadays, they lack that individuality that they had in the past. Like you can do like a bartender nowadays could never do this. They'd be like, oh, you suck. Get off stage. But when you bar hop back in the days, like I've been talking about downtown Orlando you know, when I was, you know, when I was a younger guy, when I would bar hop with my friends, we each bar we would go into, yes, they served the alcohol, they served the beer and all that stuff. But they're different. You walk in, one's a karaoke bar, one's a poem bar, one's a bar with, uh, with jazz music playing. Everything is different. Nothing is the same. And I, I think that's one of the things. Yes, they have theme nights and different times, but this... <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy about my Mary Elizabeth show too. Well, twins, huh? <clears throat> Run. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy guys that was cocktail from 1988 it's funny um tonight as i said at the beginning is one of my my probably my best friend's birthday today and i thought it'd be fitting to make this film or actually this watch along for it so um Maybe I'll get a chance to hear it or not. He's actually mixing it or whatever he's doing. But um, happy birthday, Mike. Um, Guys, that is cocktail part of our 80s month. Yes, 80s month has begun. It has begun. And this is a special solo session. But next week, we got some other stuff dropping. I'm not going to say what it is, but we might have a special guest star. I've been texting all night. So as always, check us out at the Heroes Asylum underscore podcast. And at Instagram, the Heroes Asylum. Check out Lobos Church House issue seven or episode seven of this drop today i wasn't there sadly but uh check it out and as always from me to you to mike to everybody else get to the asylum on see ya